Thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. This podcast contains adult themes, adult language, adult subjects, including alcohol, sex, and solipsistic existential nihilism. And we ask if you are drinking along with us to please drink and listen responsibly. And welcome back to Drinking with Authors. I'm Austin Scott Collins. I'm Erica Lance, and this is Literary Briefs with Mark Vickers. You didn't, you didn't do the middle initial. Do the middle initial. What is his middle initial? It's on the book. It's right there. R? Okay, let's try that again. Mark? <laughs> R? Vickers. <laughs> okay. So during, um, uh, thank you for being with us on this podcast. This is Literary Briefs. It's a follow-up to our oh, previous you're welcome, podcast. You're, I wasn't talking oh, to you. Oh, were you talking to our listeners? Yeah. I thought you were just glad to have me here. Never. But we were just discussing something previous to recording that you wanted to bring up on the recording. Yes, absolutely. So let's get back into this. Mark? Sir, pick up where you left off. Oh, I, I was just saying with the, um, with the new book, what I'm trying to do is write three books before publishing any of the books and then um, have a trilogy and then publish them, you know, each of them in short order. Um, with with the goal of kind of building up some some interest in the the first book, then leads to the second book, it leads to the third book. What you really want, especially if you're an indie publisher, is, is sort of people going from reading the first book to the second book, the third book, and then the first book becomes something you can um, sell, give away for free or not as expensive, which leads them to the second book and the third book, and that typically is the way you actually make money. Right, and I love in this the idea. indie. Yeah, and it's it's typical. I mean, Erica was talking about the what's the name of the Facebook page? Uh, twenty to fifty k. Twenty, 20 books to, to fifty k. Twenty k. Twenty books to fifty k. So it's not a new idea. I mean, that's part of the the concept there, and it's part of the concept with a lot of other uh, indie you know, publishers. That's how you end up usually making money in the in the field. So um, I don't know how long it's going to take me to write three books. Yeah, Some people write thing, them very right? quickly, right? you, you got to be in it for a kind of a long haul to do this right. because most people, they finish a book. It's like, oh, my God, I need a break now. I'm going to release this book, right. and then I'm going to relax for a bit, and then I'll come back to it. But right. if you do a series, if you do a trilogy or whatever, you have the opportunity to go back and say, well, I'm going to streamline all three of these books. I'm going to you know, make sure that everything has these you know, consistent thematic through lines. I'm going to do all of the covers to match. You know, I'm, I'm right. going to, in other words, market them as a package. Right. That's, that's a bit of a luxury that in the real world, that doesn't, that doesn't usually happen because we don't usually plan that far in advance, right? Right. And I think that's becoming an unknown known in the, um, in the indie world. Uh, I, it's not anything I was doing at all with my first book. Um, I'm sort of learning this you know, as we go. Um, I'm hoping that the first book I've written will be different than the other books, but serving as sort of a prequel to the books. A uh, prequel books. to Tollkeeper? The, the prequel to these well, other books I'm writing, this, this other I trilogy. I was going to say prequel. Tollkeeper is the prequel. Tollkeeper would be the prequel to these other books. I'm okay. That's how I'm looking at it. Whether that works that way, we'll see. Well, so you talk about those three books, but it's interesting you say that because when you're looking at the business of writing and selling your written word... What follows that then? You know, we, we, on the previous podcast, kind of joked about the fact that you were looking at nine different books possibly in this series, but you almost have to think past that third book because you have to keep feeding your fan base and your machine of going further into it. Have you thought past that a little bit? Well, so 
my idea, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, is that um, I'll know after three books sort of whether I have something, whether I need to change up to an entirely different genre, a different topic, whatever it would be. So I'm hoping that um, three books or four books, if you count the first book out, I'll have some idea about the real interest in that and those ideas in those books. Because if there's not any interest after four books, then I think it's time to sort of give that up and move to something <laughs> else, right? So that's the reason I'm not going to say I'm going to definitely write nine books because I don't know if that's going to work oh, or not. What's your time horizon? I mean, for the whole project. You just said the word horizon. I appreciate that. <laughs> not time frame, time horizon. Mark, what is your time horizon? You have to have a distant goal. Right. I see that. It sounds very sci-fi. Yeah, it's very sci-fi. <laughs> it's a black hole. Of yeah, what is your event horizon? horizon? event horizon. Oh, God, don't go at, there. At what uh, point does your fiction reach infinite density? <laughs> 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 not even light can escape uh, from my narratives. Right. I'm, I'm hoping not too quickly. <laughs> That would not be too readable. Um, yeah, so I'm originally I was thinking about, well, maybe I can do three books in a year. So one book every mm. four months. That is just too, um, probably too ambitious for my current, you know. And is workload. each book comparable in size to The Tollkeeper? No, I think they're going to be smaller. Tollkeeper is a rather long book. Um, I'm thinking about the others more in the 80,000 word mm. range, okay. which I think is reasonable. Um, given these type of books. They could be longer, but I'm hoping... That's what that's my current thinking, anyway, and the thinking can change day to day. So I'm thinking after writing um, three books, probably not in a year, but the goal is to write a certain number of words a day and kind of get through it fairly quickly. Um, I'll know. I'll kind of know what I have after maybe a year or so. That's very cool. Okay, so this is supposed to be rapid-fire questions. We started somewhere else because Austin was stuck on something. Well, this is interesting stuff, man. I'm not saying it's not interesting, but we normally do rapid-fire questions. This wasn't a rapid-fire. Erica, rapid-fire, go. I'm ready. What is your favorite book? Gambate Nippon. I'm sorry. I just I want to answer a previous question first, (laughs) which is you asked me about the phrase. It's really gambate. I said gambe, but it's it's gam, it's either gambare, but that's sort of associated with a, a really conservative movement in Japan. So I just want to say gambate for the record. I okay. appreciate that that was a okay. previous podcast, <laughs> that, that, but it's follow-up. Hopefully that, you listen to part so, one. Okay. <laughs> Nonsequiturs.com. <laughs> Favorite book. Favorite book. Of all time. Of all time. Is definitely Moby Dick, which has got to really? be is, is one of the funniest books ever written funniest most people don't say that funniest book ever yes, written. it has an awful lot of puns in it it does but i'm no, just surprised because when you think of moby dick in the literary and all this like things you don't go well that was a funny book <laughs> it's a it's a super funny book well the first chapters there are just so many cetology jokes <laughs> <laughs> the first few chapters are just funny in a kind of dickensian way right he's almost like ripping off charles dickens kind of stuff like that but then he just gets into this really really dark humor throughout huge hunks of the book and not not every chapter is funny because some of it's you know dramatic some of it's poetic but there's just so many wonderful lines in that book and a really deep dark black humor that i think is super american that's very cool. I wouldn't have expected that answer. What is one of the worst books in your mind? <laughs> I like it's asking this no, question. We're, we're, just, we're just talking about this the other day because we were playing this game, and I was saying, oh, the bridges of Madison County. 
Because <laughs> I remember, I remember having, you know, everybody was reading this book. And so I, had, I actually went to the bookstore and picked this oh book goodness. up. And I'm like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, what? Because it's just not doing it for me. And then I, I thought, really? Because anyway, then it became notoriously sort of, a lot of people thought it was a, a bad book, but it was a, a better movie, I think a lot of people thought. Anyway, that's my personal opinion. I have nothing against anybody <laughs> no, who loved that book. No, it was a book. personal question. I think it's, it's, it's interesting when you look at a book, especially a book that gets a lot of critical acclaim. I have a friend that literally hates the book Eat, Pray, Love. Hates that book. Yeah. Thinks it's terrible. And you don't want to say that because I was like on the Oprah list and all this other crap of eat, pray, love, but she's like, this is the one of the worst stories ever. It's terrible. I am totally on board with the eating part. And I'm good with the love, especially the love of eating. That's not... Did You, you didn't actually read the book, did you? No, I have no, no. idea. Okay. No. So that's not... How, that's the opposite of help. Okay. Okay. What do you find as a writer is the hardest part about writing? Finding time to do it. That makes sense. What is the easiest part? Do you like these rapid? I come up with these. They're dichotomies. Go ahead. Is that a dichotomy? Are you sure that was a dichotomy? You know what? Shut your pie hole. I might. Literally. Okay. Literarily shut your pie hole. Not figuratively. No. Literarily. What is your, the easiest part about writing? So the easiest part about writing is um, when you're really in the groove, when you're really in the flow, um, that you, you feel good about it. You feel like, wow, that's it's almost like a runner's high kind of thing. You know, that's the easiest part because it's it's addictive. Okay, and what is the kind of writing that you enjoy doing the most? You know, for example, do you really like dialogue? Do you really like writing action scenes? Do you really like doing, like, descriptions? You know, what what, what flows really easily for you as a writer? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have a answer to that because I... I feel like it's like parts of the body, you know. Do you like your arm or your leg better? Um, I, I feel like <laughs> definitely all, my arms. They, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally gonna go with arms. <laughs> we won't go too far down this metaphorical. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> however, I'm gonna go with my right wrist. Um, I, I think they all go together. You know, they're all part of a whole. So that if you're not doing, um, if you're not doing multiple things well, then it's just not gonna work for you. Okay, let me let me ask the absolute inverse of that question. Is there any particular type of writing that you really struggle with? You know, a type of writing that you just hate doing and you always put it off till last. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question. I'm. I think we talked, we touched on this. I'm not very good at outlining, and I would like to be better at being able to conceive a book and then outline it and then follow through on the outline. I just not. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at it either. I I gave up trying. I I write down different ideas I have. But I'm, I'm not good at outlining at all. You, on the other hand, Austin, are... Yes, I can't. I can't write unless I know where the whole thing is going. Yeah. Okay, so... What I do like, though, is figuring out the end of the book. Like, I had the end of the Tollkeeper completely figured that's, that's out. That's what I was about to ask you, yeah. Yeah, so I knew, I, knew the, I knew the last scene, or I knew the last chapter. So you know you're driving head. towards, right? Right. I, I, so I had a point A, which I completely pulled out of thin air, let's say. And, uh, Which and is I, the best air to pull it and out of. Right, and then I uh, had point Z, and it was a matter of figuring out how to get from A to Z. I, I think that's, I mean, essential. I mean, you can tell when a story 
was meandering and the author didn't know where it was going. I think you can tell. You reach the end, it's not satisfying. Right. And if you have something you're driving towards from the very beginning, then it's like, aha, yes, this is where this was going all along. That's the satisfactory resolution I was looking for. Right. Yeah. Do you um, think, like, is there a particular, when you read a book, is there a particular thing that drives you completely crazy? <laughs> When I read a book. Yeah. yeah. As a reader. As a reader. As a reader who's also a writer. I mean, I think that makes us sort of different readers when we're writers or have been through editing processes and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you're in the backseat and you're working the brake and the gas. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> I think it's that's a great analogy because as much as, like, if you think about when you started reading as a kid or before you even contemplated writing books or having anybody put input into your writing of books, it's very different then when you go through that process or you're sitting there, like, it, you know, anyway, I could, I'm stopping because I'm drunk. Go ahead. Answer the question. <laughs> could you repeat the question? Yeah. Well, over to you, Mark. <laughs> well, no, the question is, what are your pet peeves, I guess, with okay. reading? Uh, like when you're reading. From a reader point of view. Yeah. Right. So I, I think I have two pet peeves that are sort of um, diametrically opposed. One, one pet peeve is just a book that's all dialogue that like it's just there's no real description there's no storytelling there's just one it's almost like a play but it's not a very good play <laughs> um, <laughs> and I really dislike those types of books I've seen them I've seen them happen um, the the other part is when somebody goes way way down a rabbit hole and just ends up going off on a tangent for you know a chapter or two chapters at a time um, and that, that's largely in the eye of the beholder. I know that Cindy, my wife, who's here, here still. By the way, Cindy's wife is here. She um, may comment during this podcast. Some, sometimes Hi. she has taken issue with certain books that are, that are great, um, but that she thinks just weren't tightly enough edited. Um, I'm a fan want. of tight editing. She's I really a fan don't of tight like editing. Meandering. Um, so what is the definition of tight editing? I just, you know, not a lot of superfluous um, sentence structures and 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 uh, ruminations about things that you don't need to know. Um, it's not that I like a plot-driven book at all. I like a character-driven plot. I just, I think, coming from a bit of a journalistic background, I just like clean writing, and I just like clean prose. So if you're going to say, are you more William Faulkner, Faulkner or um, Ernest Hemingway, I'd have to go with Hemingway. You know, I just... I, I, right. Sometimes but, too much is just too much. But I like Faulkner. Um. And they have survived so, marriage for many, many years. So, uh, so I guess I guess there's room for everything in the world. Is the point? Right. 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 I, mean, no, I, I do but, enjoy it, but you know. But yeah, but I, I you know, you can. You I mean, can, we all read *A Rose for Emily* and you know got thoroughly fucked up by it mentally. So I mean, yeah. you know. But you know, if you read like *As I Lay Dying*, it's it's even though it's well, very okay. literary. Yes. It's pretty tight. It's pretty tight, but pretty you tight. meander in some of the other Faulkner classics. Okay. It's not, well, so, okay. Yeah. Okay, so you've been through this whole process, beginning to end, once, and you got to the end point where it's time to start focusing on, okay, how are we going to market this? How are we going to sell this? How are we going to do the cover design? All this stuff. Are you cognizant of that now as you embark on like the first stage of this next 
project? Do you feel like your future self reaching back in time saying, okay, we're going to have to market this. We're going to have to sell this. We're going to have to have keywords. Do you sort of feel that resonance? Yeah, I do. Um, and I'm looking at this next series uh, differently, right? I'm looking at it as more uh, marketable, commercial type writing. This book I wrote for myself. The cover doesn't follow a particular... I, I like the cover, you know, I... It's professionally done, and it was looked at by a lot of different people. It is a cool and, cover. But it doesn't really follow in a particular genre super well. Um, there, there's a lot of ways where this doesn't really fit, we were talking about before. I think the next series of books, I'm going to try to write them and put up covers that, that fall within a specific genre and that people will recognize as that genre fairly easily. And that will be, you know, drawn to it. So I'm, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about this next series, in a, from a more commercial point of view. Mm. It's kind of a new mindset from the very beginning, it is. right? It's yeah, a new but... mindset. This book I wrote for the love of the writing of the book, right? The next books I'm writing, not because I, I, I I'm hoping I won't hate the books at all. <laughs> but I hope you don't um, hate your books at all either. That's but, a terrible. But I'm place thinking about up. it in terms of okay, so what? What possibly, um, where's this going to fit genre-wise? How am I going to do the covers? You know, is it going to fit in these two categories well? What are some other books that are like it? You know, all that kind of stuff. That's very cool. You mentioned on the previous podcast, again, a plug for the previous podcast. If you're starting here, go back and listen to the previous one. And and all the others. And all the others. <laughs> we're fixing our audio issues. <laughs> Hashtag we're aware. Um, the question I have is, so we're talking literary, we're talking mythological, we're talking historic. Do you write in any other genres? Have you start, You talked about starting many other books. Do you go in any other places? Sure. Where do you yeah. go? No, I, I've written just some straight uh, literary short stories. Okay. Um, I've written some uh, science fiction. So I don't really have a... I don't have a genre per se. Um, I've sort of picked a genre based on where this book started and where it ended. Mm. That doesn't mean I'm going to be committed to that genre the rest of my life, depending upon how long that goes. <laughs> um, so it's just one of those things where I I like cross-genre books. That's where it comes down to. And um, those those appeal to me. I mean, I... You just read a David Mitchell book, for example. He's gesturing you know? to his wife because nobody um, can see that. <laughs> so David Mitchell, right? I mean, he, yeah. he's sort of a literary author that has sort of gone off in these fantastical mm-hmm. areas, um, pseudo-science fiction. And a lot of authors, Margaret Atwood comes to mind, for example. Mm. You know, so Could she started off as a literary fiction writer. She's continued to be a literary fiction writer, but she's a lot of her books are just downright science fiction. Yeah. Even though and she won't admit to it. She, she may not admit to it. She won't may use the term, but it's there. She yes. may refuse to <laughs> say that that's what she's writing, but it's very, very obvious that she is. So, Are there any genres you don't write or don't want to write? Um, I'm, I'm probably not going to write any kind of super um, romance fiction, although there is a romance angle to this Tollkeeper book, right? So it's sort of, in a way, it's a paranormal romance, but I probably won't write... That's a genre you could market that under. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I've put that into one of my uh, descriptor books, uh, yeah. descriptor things. But it's it's one of those things where um, just straight romance, I don't 
think I can write. I mean, who no, knows? You never no say never. No bodice rippers. No bodice rippers? No bodice rippers. Well, I, I'm just not sure I can do it. You know, it's one of those things. I have nothing against those books at all. It's just that I'm not sure I know how to write them, you know? They're very formulaic. I hate to say, no offense to any romance authors as a romance author, <laughs> but they're very formulaic books, unlike a lot of other genres that are not nearly as formulaic as that one. That one is super, super words, super formulaic in, you know, the two... Yeah, you know, I think when we use the term formulaic, what we really mean is the amount of expectation in our yeah. readers, yeah. right? Because when readers pick up certain books, they have high expectations of it's going to follow a structure or it's not. Yeah. And so certain genres are more subject to that. And I think that's perfectly valid, you know, and I think it's a matter of respecting your readers. So if you know you're writing for a group of people who want something to happen on page 300 and want something to happen on page 50, you have to accommodate that as opposed to the less genre-y we get, right? You were talking earlier about cross-genre fiction. You have a whole category of readers who are like, okay, challenge me, you know? Show me something interesting. Show me something new. I don't mind if you go in an unexpected direction. Surprise mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I don't think romance, no offense, has a lot of surprises in it necessarily. Not if it's marketed as romance. Yeah. I mean, you can certainly have a romantic story that uh, that does unexpected things, but if someone is picking up a book with the expectation that it's going to be a standard romance, it's like, oh, we're on page 50 and the first thing hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> so what seems to happen, I mean, I don't know anything about romance. You know a thousand times more about romance, but what seems to happen from my point of view... I don't know, you've been is, married a lot longer than I have, so <laughs> I'm not going to say that's true at all. Is that romance <laughs> is its own category, but then you kind of go through these... Uh, I don't know, fad may not be the right kind of thing like reverse harem i keep hearing about reverse harem stories and that kind of stuff now, hang on back up what is that well, <laughs> oh my god you throw both of us off. i don't even know do explain so, so, so like uh, reverse harem story you know a, a harem is a man with many uh female uh partners uh reverse harem is just the opposite of that uh, it's a female a with many male partners so is, yeah. isn't that oh it's my book isn't okay it, go isn't ahead that polyandry no no no. That's not polyandry? No. That's like when you have many husbands? No, it's not husbands. He's not talking about that. He's talking about whether or not so you have like many, many dudes. Pa- many dudes. <laughs> many okay. partners. I don't, I don't know what that is. Many, many dudery. No, that's... <laughs> Poly dudery. No, stop. You're not helping at all. Mark, continue. So, so my point is that... <laughs> Please. There seem to go through uh, various uh, hot subgenres in romance as far as I can tell and those become hot for like a year or two or three and then they move on to something else you know maybe it's you know romance on Mars or something like that you know it's, I, I, <laughs> that could be your whole new genre or yeah. you know, like mermaid romance right I mean I've seen a lot of books with mermaids in them lately books set on Mars aren't very atmospheric shut up <laughs> that's what I have to say to you Mark please continue <laughs> So anyway, that's that's the genre. I don't think I can write in very well at, the, at this point. Although, like I say, Tollkeeper does have paranormal romance elements. It's it's very much a love story, kind of in the same way that the Bolson Saga is a love story. Okay, so it. people looking for love stories and paranormal romance should pick up the Tollkeeper. Try, try it. Not the whole book is, <laughs> is about that, but it, it's very much a love story in many ways. If you'd like to be titillated in the romance arena of then at literary least high check fiction. out The Tollkeeper yes. by it's Mark R. Vickers. It's definitely not a reverse harem story, but <laughs> and there's no there's no mermaids yet. Uh, we have like literally learned something on this podcast and I feel very educated at this mm-hmm. point. 
I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> and for us to not know it's a thing is mm-hmm. that's a thing in No, that's itself. marvelous. <laughs> I'm gonna go check that out later. Where's Aaron? Google it. <laughs> no, you know, I, I listen to podcasts and that's where I hear these kind of terms. Is um the various podcasts. Not this about, one, evidently. About indie, about indie <laughs> and stuff. And I hear, ah, these are the hot things now. And I'm like, what is that? I think and it's true, but I think when it comes to romance writing versus high fiction or anything else, romance readers read an average of five books a month. Mm-hmm. So they have a much quicker turnover to their reading than a lot of science fiction, fantasy, literary, that sort of thing. It's a whole different situation of going through that. I also learned something new this week that most um, uh, romance books read by men are higher sellers than read by women. Really? Yeah. That's because... That surprises me. It it did at first for me and then I thought about it because if you're a woman and you're listening to the story, no offense, but I'm going to get a little graphic, you don't want to get off on listening to a woman tell you this romantic story. You want to get off on a man telling you this romantic story. In general, for most, if we look at the predominant readers of romance, it's just interesting to Mark's point of doing the correct kind of research for your genre, marketing, stuff like that. There is a Facebook group called Oral Fixation, and it's all about male readers of romance novels. And if you think about it, You'd much rather be getting off on a male reader than you would a female reader if you're a female in general, because most females that read romance novels are fairly straight. Most, not all, we are not segregating again, back to the liberal conversation. I'm just saying in general, most are male-female romance stories read by males that get women off when they're being read. So, knowing all of this... Oh my gosh. Incredible pantheon of facts right about marketing some of which are so obscure we've never even heard of them before how did you embark on figuring out how you were going to mark book number one right and then how you're going to market the following books i mean how did you even begin I'm totally see the pants um so i i've had to learn as i've gone right and i, I rely on podcasts and books and just conversations like this to inform me about how these things work and I definitely don't feel like I'm at all, all the way up that learning curve. You know, I'm like maybe a third. So I know a lot more than I did a year ago or two years ago, but um, I have a long, long way to go on that. There's so much to learn. I mean, marketing is a huge subject. And with social media added in, you know, like it's, it's an incredible subject. I mean, so it's... I don't know if anybody knows all of it, but I think um, some people know 90%. I may be at the 30% level now. 30%? That's where you put yourself? I think I'm going to put myself at the 30%. I don't know. You've got a book out that you have been marketing for how long now? About a year. Yeah. Okay. I think you're probably above 30%. Yeah, I think you're about 50%. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, well, you also have a you book don't out know that, what you don't know. But. Well, but you have a book out that you haven't confined to a certain genre, which makes a huge difference. Like, you put it in a certain genre for sales and stuff because you have no choice but to do that on Amazon. But it's not like you yourself have put this in a particular genre. So if you're not going, I am a high-action adventure writer that you know, does high fantasy, and you're sort of all over the spectrum 
on it a little bit, I think the fact that what you've done actually is a great accomplishment because it's not that easy to take a book that doesn't fall into an already defined it's, genre. It's not easy at all. That's, yeah. that's one of the hardest things to do in literature. Try to carve out your own niche. Yes. So, yeah. since, uh, since we are on our second segment here, can we get you to reiterate how people can find you? Uh, sure. You can find me on Facebook and the Tollkeeper Facebook page. You can also go to thetollkeeper.com. I have a whole series of blogs on mythology, and it also will tell you where to get the book. Um, I do tweet at Mark R. Vickers, although not always about the Tollkeeper. And I do have an Instagram page, which I don't think I've done more than take a picture of the book and post it. Um, well, we'll get some so, Instagram followers to like start putting content on there for you. Feel free. Um, I'm all about that. And you're on Amazon at Mark R. Vickers or The Tollkeeper, correct? Yes. You can find my book on Amazon. It's also on Kindle Unlimited, in case you're not a Kindle Unlimited person. Um, pick it up. If you're a subscriber, Kindle Unlimited, it's for free. Just uh, pick it up and read it. Very cool. And he would, of course, love to hear from you. So if you're a fan or you have any questions about the mythology and stuff, you can always reach out to him. Or to us, and we'll pass it along to him. Yes, that's true. If we remember, <laughs> depending on what time of day you approach us about anything. Yeah, if it's later in the afternoon, we might forget. Exactly. But again, this was Drinking with Authors with Mark R. Vickers, the author of The Tollkeeper. And I'm Austin Scott Collins. And I'm Erica Lance, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.